Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. My guest today on Dan's talk is uh, Mike Daly, who uh, is the founder of East End Yimby. Uh, for those who uh, uh, know what that is, I have to say that this was inevitable. And for those that who don't know about this, I will say that it is the opposite of not in my backyard. I think some of us have uh, had feelings that this, it's about time this happened, I guess. And uh, so let me uh, ask you, Mike, how, how did you uh, come to uh, form this organization? Well, Dan, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's, it's an honor to be here with you. I've been, uh, I've been reading Dan's papers uh, since I was a child, and uh, we've common friends, and it's it's just great to be here with you. I I've been a real estate agent in this market since 1998, so that's coming on 24 years of experience, and uh, in a lot of ways, people view real estate agents really as as a big part of the problem. You know, they blame, oh, you real estates, you know what I mean? You drive up the prices of everything, and uh, you know. So while, yeah, I've participated in, in, in this market and I make my living from it, but I also have been witnessing what's been happening to, to local people in this market from the very beginning. And, and early on, I thought that it was, almost a contradiction when I, when I wanted to start to find out more about affordable housing. And I talked to people and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of people react to it like, oh, affordable housing. They think that's what we see when we drive over the Frog's Neck Bridge or the Triber or the, or the Whitestone Bridge, you know. And in 2017, I just said, you know, I, I, I've got to participate in doing something about this pricing out local people, pricing out uh, workers who our businesses count on, right? And uh, I attended an affordable housing training program put on by a group in Cape Cod. And it just set off a light bulb. And, and the light bulb it set off was that education around the, the true components of what affordable community housing is really makes a lot of sense. And so I started East End Yimby in 2017, which seems like a, almost a lifetime ago. And we've been educating and talking about this issue in front of town boards and village boards and community groups and CACs and chambers of commerces since then, but it has really taken up, uh, taken a, a huge turn uh, with with people getting involved in it just in the last you know year or so. One thing that occurred to me about it was people who follow NIMBY 
say, well, great, we'll have it in his backyard. Mm. And um, at which I guess is just the hell with it. You know, that, that's something. Yeah. Well, can, can you give me any examples of uh, particular things that have caught your eye that you've become involved in re regarding this and uh, how, how, you've, how, how you've negotiated it? Sure. I'll answer the first part of your comment there about people saying, uh, yeah, put it in his backyard or put it in someone else's backyard. And uh, two things about that is I live in North Haven and it's because it's where I found a house that I could afford in 2004. OK, uh, and I, I couldn't afford it today if I if I was in the market to buy it. Uh, and recently I went to the North Haven uh, trustees meeting and I uh, explained and advocated for uh, the adoption of accessory dwelling units in the village. And, you know, this is one of the last places that people would think that anyone would want to do anything around affordable housing. One of the last places. There's many last places uh, here. And, they, and the other part of your comment was, yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of nice people who are NIMBYs because there's a lot of nice people who believe that, oh, yeah, affordable housing is good. And if we, you know, I support affordable housing and we really need it for our workers. Just don't put it here. Right. Just put it over there somewhere. And it's a very, very strong and uh, kind of embedded concept that a lot of people aspire to because they're intimidated by their perceptions or their, what is in their mind about affordable housing. So what we, our biggest success over the last uh, two years has been educate people around the truths, okay? I have what's, what I call the eight myths of affordable housing. We have some seminars on it and we educate people around it and I'm delivering it actually in South Hole next week. Delivered it in Mattituck, I've delivered it in Southampton, East Hampton, Sag Harbor. And once people get educated as to what the truths are around the myths, for instance, affordable housing looks cheap and undesirable. Well, fact of the matter is that builders of affordable community housing have to comply with the same building codes that builders of, uh, of single family housing do. Another one is that uh, affordable housing hurts schools. Well, as a matter of fact, it's the opposite because schools and school children do better when they are consistently in a school and they're able to develop relationships and with teachers and other, other members uh, uh, of the school and of the community. And they do better in their schools and it helps raise school scores. Another one, and I'm not gonna go through all eight unless you invite me to, but the last one I'll mention right now is affordable housing causes traffic. Well, right now we have so much traffic from the trade parade. Our research indicates that of having community housing in our business districts spread out throughout the East End, okay? This is not about dumping big buildings in any one community, but about spreading out smaller, more appropriate sized affordable housing units from small accessory apartments all the way up to 
some medium-sized apartments complexes will actually help traffic and take people off the road because they'll be able to live closer to where they work, right? So people have all these myths in their mind. It's like an old wives' tale. It's like, you know, oh, don't touch that or you're going to go blind, you know? <laughs> and um, We're going to work a half an hour for a, a half an hour after you eat. That's right. That's right. Or you, oh, you're going to have the bends or something, right? And a lot of the myths around community housing are are like old wives' tales or experiences that you know. Like I said, driving over the Whitestone Bridge. You know what I mean? You just like you look at those large complexes, and that's what we have come to believe affordable housing is. And out here on the East End, that's not. I mean, you see some of the really beautiful community housing developments that have been done by, you know, East Hampton and even in South Hampton, Sandy Hollow Estates, um, on Sandy Hollow Road, people are still driving around looking for the affordable housing that they're passing that looks just as nice as the, the if not even nicer than some of the neighboring homes. Uh, the, the development that was done in Spionk that people fought over for seven years, for God's sakes, um, has been a wonderful contributing development to to the community, you know. Um, have you have you be uh, I'm sure you have become aware of the this vote that's going to take place in November about it. That's going to be that's huge. actually one of yeah. That's uh, aside. So what we're doing right now is we're meeting and educating people. We have East End EMB meetings where anybody can come. And we can talk about myths, we can talk about strategies, we do discussions about what is SECRA, you know, what is the State Environmental Quality Review Act, and how does that play a role in, in um, developments? Um, also, how can it be used as a weapon to stop development? Because we are so sensitive about our environment because we have a sensitive environment and we don't want, we live here too. We don't want to do anything that's going to have a negative impact on the environment. But right now, not having enough community housing is having a negative impact on our communities. So what's coming up, as you referred to, is the Peconic Bay Community Housing Fund. And I know you wrote a piece about that recently, and that was, uh, I'm glad that you did, because people need to be educated on that. And uh, we just had a, a session with uh, Assemblyman Thiel. Uh, on that, we are in the process of forming a coalition to help of basically leaders from different organizations, community organizations, environmental organizations, churches, civic groups, all to come together to support this referendum that uh, we're hoping is going to happen in all five East End towns uh, this November, and that is to adjust the Peconic Bay Community Preservation Fund to include another half a percent when uh, a home is purchased on the East End. And a half a percent of the two and a half percent will go to the towns to use for housing well, that, uh, in their housing funds. For those that don't know, that's the referendum coming up. In the that's the referendum, right. 
uh, and uh, will if it goes through, there'll be um, tens of millions of dollars available to build affordable housing projects. At the moment, uh, it seems like it's a drop in the bucket compared to what's needed. And there's one in particular uh, law on the books in East Hampton that I find extraordinary that's still there. You know, about 20 years ago, it came in that uh, artists who had studios on their property uh, weren't allowed to have kitchens in the studios because they were afraid <laughs> that they would be breaking the rule of uh, one family house on one piece of property. And, they and one to kitchen. Have they had a kitchen would mean you're gonna rent it. And they actually uh, sent out uh, inspectors to look at particular artists and they asked them what their shows are gonna be. And they asked them- Yeah. They asked them about- um, uh, Yes. Uh, it's the most intrusive thing I'd ever, ever think. And it's still there, still in the books, it has to be removed. It is. I, I it is. To town supervisor Von Scoy is getting very active in promoting. Yes. And I hope he sees this particular thing because it's unique. Here we were, a community that was celebrating the, a time when uh, the East End was the center of the art world in, in, in the world with the abstract expressionist movement. And they're harassing uh, people who have. have uh, things on their properties. How do people find out about when the meetings are? Do you promote them and in, in, uh, in, uh, advertise them or? Well, we, we, have a, we have a website, which is uh, www, like they all are, uh, eastendyimby.org. We also have a Facebook page. Um, and anyone who wants to uh, be alerted as to when our meetings are and where their gatherings are, they can connect to us through either Facebook or through our website to let us know and we'll put you on our mailing list. I, I wanted to respond to something you were talking about, artist studios in East Hampton. It seems like, you know, we, we go through such great pains to... Um, preclude the ability for people to create rental apartments because we think that's bad and it's not bad. And as, as a real estate agent for 23 years, I, I have got to tell you, at least 10% of the homes that I've sold and closed on had to disassemble some form of unpermitted living space right. that they created either out of need for their children or need for their parents or need because they wanted to make some additional money to help cover their expenses, right? So there is such a, what, what I call a shadow inventory of unpermitted, I don't wanna use the term illegal because that's a judgment term, right? Of unpermitted accessory dwelling apartments in our towns it shows the demand for them and the need for them. And, uh, you know, Dan, you and I are, uh, are you know, in, in that generation where when we were, you know, remember the Hamptons of the, of the 70s with the group homes and the, yeah. and the cigars, you know, on the top of the, uh, on the top of the windshields of, uh, 
of all those uh, Rolls Royce convertibles, right? I was in West Hampton Beach and Mickey Paraskevis is a, is a friend of mine. And, you know, those good old days of group homes and having fun. And then as we got older, we decided it was like, oh my God, you know, we can't let anybody else have as much fun as we did. So we've got to outlaw group homes. We've got to close all the clubs. We've got to, you know, we've got to make life because we knew how to do it, right? <laughs> all right. Uh, Bordy Barn just closed. I don't know. I know. Bordy Barn just got sold. Yeah, I know. I Where know. are you from originally? Where were you born and raised? And stuff? I, I, was born in, I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens. And my old Irish grandmother, Lizzie McNamara was a, a genius. And we had uh, me and my cousins, there were seven of us with our parents. And she bought a farmhouse from the Rayner family in West Hampton Beach, and uh, not West Hampton Beach, in West Hampton by Beaver Dam Creek in 1960. Okay. Probably and $1, I. $1,000. Yeah, for like $7,000 or something, right. you know. And, and now it's worth a million, of course, but I was the luckiest kid in Elmhurst, New York, because I was the only one in my class, I went to parochial school there, who left the day school ended. My mom was waiting for me parking by the fire hydrant so that I didn't even get to go to the apartment. I just came home from school, jumped in the car, and we came out to, we called it the country in those days. We came out to West Hampton, and we were there, and we grew up, me and my six cousins, my sister and my six cousins. and then. Uh, so we were very, very lucky to be here in those days. And, uh, and then I moved out here permanently in 1995 uh, with, uh, with my family. And I've been here, bought a house in Remsenburg to be near mom and dad, and, and then came out to Sag Harbor in 1998. Wow, that's a good story. Um, I have a good story for you. I, I think um, Bella Abzug, was at the Elaine Benson Gallery. And I think you were doing an event there. And somebody called me and said, Michael, I was like 17 years old or 18 years old. And somebody called me and said, Michael, this woman that we know needs a ride back to New York City. Are you available? She'll pay you 50 bucks. And I said, oh, oh yeah. I'm on it. <laughs> and I picked up Bella and had one of the times of my life driving her back to New York City oh. from... Uh, uh, leaving a party at the Elaine Benson Gallery that I think you were sponsoring as well. So those are, you know, we had such good times. And, and today it seems like everything is so intense and so serious. And, and, and our heritage industries of fishing and farming and the arts and tourism are in such struggle because we, 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 we're just not allowing our communities to create enough space for them. We have people, you know, how many friends do you have and do I have who've left the area because they feel like there's no place here for them? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's sad to watch our, our local heritage kind of dissipate because somebody like myself, if I decided I wanted to sell my house and move into an apartment, there are no apartments. That was one of my dreams to buy this house and to move into an apartment in Sag Harbor when I retired, perhaps, and I didn't want to have managed the, the home and the property. There's, there's no place for us to go. We, if we, we wish that we were going to create a world-class resort, and we just did. <laughs> we did. 
the Disneyfication. The, and you, you've joked over the years that they're going to put a toll booth in at the Shinnecock Canal, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is it's it's becoming like like a like a, a big Disneyland where all the employees drive in in the morning, work in the in the in the in the park during the day, and then they all drive home at night, right? Well, Except for the security need, guards. That's why we need. I'm sorry. And um, I, I think there are a lot of, they're talking about a lot of ways of helping out. Um, and I, I, I was thinking about this uh, because I just read yesterday that uh, I don't know what President Biden is doing exactly, but it has something to do with putting a lot of money in there to help people pay their mortgages, which are high, be, uh, not mortgages, their rents. Rents. Yeah, the rents are so high because the properties cost so much when they buy the developers buy them, and at the same time here we're talking about doing a similar thing, where uh, I read where the local authorities are uh, looking at something where they would partner with local people to buy a property and um, keep the equity as part of the, uh, 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 the town. And, I, and Shared a, equity. a lot of good ideas coming up. Um, and um, I, I hope it passes. I hope that uh, uh, you have great success with the MB. Um, this, yeah, this referendum really is important, Dan. And I'll tell you um, that there is no one solution to our housing issues. It's not like build skyscrapers all over the place. That's not going to happen. A, we don't really, we don't want it. B, it's, it's, but we feel that every village and every hamlet, you know, that there's five East End towns plus the Shinnecock Reservation. There's 13 villages, I think, is it? Th yeah. And there's 43 hamlets on the East End and the five East End towns. Yeah. And every village and hamlet needs to play some kind of role, yes. whether it's having some additional uh, accessory dwelling units or whether it's building some two family houses or some three family houses, some small apartment complexes, wherever it's appropriate. Yeah, there should be some larger. Uh, there should be some 40, 50, 60. Even there's a proposed 104 unit community housing development in Quayog right now on a large piece of property behind Strebel's Laundry and Car Wash. That's between Montauk Highway and uh, the airport. And it's a perfect place for that type of, of development. So we need all different types because we love it here. We don't want to hurt the environment. We want to do it in a sound way with nice building, but it needs to be spread out so that everybody takes a role in helping solve this issue. When is the next Thanks. time you're having a meeting that the, the public is invited to? We are, I'm going to send you an invite to that. We're, we're actually gathering in person tonight in Sag Harbor at the Sag Harbor public hearing. We just had a, a, a prep call for that last Saturday. I will announce that on our Facebook page, East End Yimby. And I'm going to send you an email when the next one comes up uh, so that you know, and you can, you can join us if you'd like, because we'd love to have you. And, and then we're gonna have a, our first in-person gathering in early June. We're also speaking, you wrote about the church. 
that has the affordable housing event coming up on May 19th. We're speaking at that. We're kind of, we're, we're busy. And I'm just, and I'm still trying to make a living in between all of these things as <laughs> uh, as a real estate guy, you know, because I got to put some food on the table. Well, thank you for being on the show. And I hope people will go to the site and uh, uh, join up. That's what they, we all need to do. And thanks We'd love to have you. Lot. We'd love to have you. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's been a pleasure. I'm talking to Michael Daly, the founder of uh, Yimbi, yes, in my backyard, and I want to thank you for being on the show. Bye.